0: All right, turn with me to Daniel. We, uh, we are in a series on Daniel. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be studying the book, and I'm going to obviously not be laying out an entire case for the book of Daniel, because that would take probably a year, and we wouldn't even scratch the surface. Uh, but rather, I want to notice this. I want to preach from Daniel. And preaching is slightly different than teaching. The purpose is not just to go away with mental knowledge or mental understanding, but rather heart change. Preaching is meant for heart change, life change, application. And so it's a mix, of course. If you know my preaching style, you'll know it's a mix between a preaching and teaching. I can't get away from the teacher inside of me. ...which is almost funny for me to say... ...but nonetheless, God has gifted me in this way... And I, and, I, ...and I love studying the book of Daniel. I would love for you to do this. As we have a few more weeks before we get to Easter... ...would you read the book of Daniel? Maybe you've read it before. Trust me, it's a book that's worth reading again. It is so encouraging for our time in particular... ...and I promise you that if you read the book... ...you will be encouraged especially if you ask the Holy Spirit to encourage you. You see, I lay the responsibility on Him, not on me. It's not my book. I'm not the one who inspired it, and yet we get to read it this morning. We have our own copies. If you would grab a copy, I'd love for you to turn with me and look at the pages before you in Daniel chapter 1. And we want to pick up uh, reading here, really where we left off last week. Now, Now you say... Man, this must be a long sermon series. We covered three verses last week. You know, God is in control. Three ver- so, I mean, you just start looking at how many verses ahead. Don't start sweating. Don't start sweating. Sometimes you need to introduce the whole book concept. And that takes a little bit. And then you can move quickly through the various parts. And that's exactly the course we're going to take. So, let's, let's do some more foundational work today. And let's let let God do that work as we read. Notice this, we're going to pick up in in verse 3 here. Actually, I just read two verses last week. Correction. 3 here, 1-3. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom. ...endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning... ...and competent to stand in the king's palace... ...and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion... ...of the food that the king ate... ...and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years... ...and at the end of that time... ...they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah, and the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and oh sorry, Mishak, and Azariah he called Abednego. Notice this key verse, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigns your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in a worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this manner and tested them for ten days. at At the end of the ten days it was seen that they were in better appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your holy word. May you bless this reading and the hearing of your word to our lives. And may we come to a point of decision today, just like Daniel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I am so glad that the Christian life is not based on feelings. I'm glad that marriage isn't based on feelings. I'm glad that my love for my children is not based on feelings. Because by a feelings definition, I would be bankrupt in those areas... Some days I wake up and I'm just not feeling it. You feel me? Maybe today. (laughs) Maybe today, if we're honest, we're just not really feeling it. And we oftentimes say these things, right? Something was different. Just wasn't really feeling it. You know what? It's, It's fascinating. Jesus never says, if you want to be my disciple, feel really good about me just let the hair on the back of your neck really stand tall. Just get that shiver down your backbone all the way to your foot. The Bible never calls us to a feeling. We don't determine our relationship or our resolve for God based on feelings. And thank God, Some of us barely have any feelings. At least some of the engineers I've met in this area. It's all mathematical. There's no room for feelings. Now, feelings are a natural part and no one's wanting to discredit great feelings. And sometimes we do, in fact, as a community unified in the Spirit, feel the presence of God. There's no doubt. But we do not ever base Our resolve to remain faithful, to be obedient, to hope in the resurrection upon our feelings. That's too low of a bar to set it upon. It is too weak of a foundation to set it upon. You see, Daniel and his three friends, there's some powerful things that you're going to read in Daniel that happen next. But I want you to see that before the way that God uses them in a mighty, mighty, extraordinary way, he uses them in very ordinary ways. In other words, to be extraordinary, you have to be doing the ordinary. And so it's easy to do nothing. Super easy to fail. Doesn't take much effort at all. You just stop. It's easy to be unsuccessful. It's easy to not finish. But it costs something to be something. It costs to thrive. It costs to be successful. And it costs to finish the race. the Scripture will call us to finish well. And I think Daniel speaks to this. I believe that the prophet, the person, this young man who had been taken away from his homeland, taken away from the elect people of God, taken away from the Holy Land, from the temple, from the priesthood, from the sacrifices, from everything that he knew to be holy, he had been taken from that and placed in the profane. Babylon is even mentioned in the book of Revelation. And Babylon is sort of the epitome of evil. Now, of course, Jesus lived under Roman rule. And yet Babylon still is chosen as the epitome of what evil is. And this is where Daniel finds himself. Daniel is not in a comfy seat in an air-conditioned building as far as his faithfulness goes to God. He's in an awful place and he's been ripped up and uprooted from all that he knows. All that he would hold dear. ...he's been taken, and now a diet is imposed. Some of you are thinking the way we end it is, is really strange. Daniel wanted vegetables? I know if the kids were here, they would all do a unified groan, right? He's taken from his land. A diet is imposed on him. Interestingly, it's the king's diet. That shouldn't be so bad. What the president eats... Surely he's eating good. He also is forced to be indoctrinated with the beliefs of the Chaldeans. And the Chaldeans were just the Babylonians. Also, as I mentioned last week, more than likely, Daniel's ability to have children was also taken from him by the Babylonians. Again, a bunch of young men coming in, working around the harem. The easiest way to fix the problem, according to many, many... You know, ...Babylonians weren't the first to do this... ...is to make eunuchs of all the young men that worked in the palace. And more than likely, we're not told exactly... ...but more than likely, it's good to assume... ...that if he was under the chief of eunuchs... ...he, in fact, also was a eunuch. Which meant several things. One, he wasn't going to have a family... ...his life had been radically changed... ...his body mutilated... ...and he would never be allowed to go into the temple ever again. The law forbade it. And if that wasn't worse enough... ...his name was changed. And his name was changed to something... ...that resembles the gods of the Babylonians. As I've mentioned to you before... ...when I went to India... ...they have some pretty wild sounding names... But most of the names in India have to do with the gods of India. Now there's 350 million plus gods that have been named in India, so there's quite a quite a option there you can have to name. But nonetheless, most of the Christians, when they become Christians, they change their name to a Christian name. I mean, the first two people I met in India were Jehoshaphat and Moses. They were 20 years old. Wasn't the picture of Jehoshaphat I had, but nonetheless I was there in Indian. Young man. And so his name is changed. You thought you had it bad, huh? We complain about these first world problems. Daniel's not in a good situation. I bet if we could just call Daniel or text him in this situation, in this moment, he wouldn't be feeling very well right now. His feeling for God may be questioned at this point. I'm sure he wasn't happy about his circumstance any more than we are having to take out the garbage. Sometimes I wonder if Jessica's trying to break a world record by piling it up. I come in there and say, oh, did you beat your previous record? To get it, take, Nobody likes taking out the garbage that I know. But we do it. Sometimes we do things that we have to and Daniel sees his life ...in a whole new way because he is forced into it. Here's what the scripture says. But Daniel resolved. And here's the thing. If you want to learn something from Daniel... ...here's something powerful to learn... ...and that is he lived a life of contrast. You know, the term but always introduces contrast in the scriptures... And in this narrative in particular, you're kind of plugging away, bebopping through the narrative, things are happening, and all of a sudden, there's a break in the action to say this, but Daniel, because Daniel was not like everybody else that had been taken. Is there any contrast to our life? This is, this is something we should wrestle with, Especially in the time of Lenten fast. Is there any contrast to our life? Or do we really look just like the world? Are we in fact in love with the world? The scripture calls us, just as our new Harvest Point shirt says, to be salt and to be light. Salt does not become decadent, when it hits rot, it preserves it. And as our culture is rotting away, we must be the salt, not the rot. But some of us consume so much rot, there is no salt. And if the salt, Jesus says, has lost its saltiness, what good is it but to be thrown out With the rot, with the slop of this world. If there's no contrast, if you find yourself this spring with no contrast between you and the world, there really is just too much of a unity between you and the world, isn't Lent a great time to cut something off? Isn't it a great time to power it down? I've actually been convinced that I'm addicted to my phone. I, uh, I would not have told you that I was an addict. Hi, my name is Marshall, and I'm addicted to my phone. I would have never thought that. But, truly, it's the last thing I see at night. have to set my alarm. And it's the first thing I go to in the mornings. I think if you're kind of thinking about something at night... <laughs> And then you wake up thinking about it again, and you have it attached to you all day long. I, I think we could probably safely say that we're pretty addicted to our technology and our phones. I was in Atlanta Thursday at a fantastic gathering of Wesleyan-minded people. And during one of the sessions, this guy's really laying it out. I mean, he's, he's as we say, shucking the corn, right? Giving it to us, giving us the meat, And I look over and there's an older gentleman. I mean, you know, significantly older gentleman. thats You know, know, I'm with this pastor, you know, sitting beside me. And he's on his phone watching a video of a dog do something dumb. He's got another video pulled up that he goes to right after that. I'm just thinking to myself, how distracted are we really? I would just ask you and challenge you this week, Notice how many times when it gets quiet around you that we just immediately, whew, can't be by myself. I've got to have the messages and the contact of other people, surely. You go to a waiting room, the doctor's office, everybody scrolling through their phones. If you ever see someone sitting there contemplatively, you're like, what a, What are they doing? Thinking about blowing up the place? We're never left to our own thoughts anymore. We're always inundated with this age of information. Misinformation. I think it's time to power down. I think it's time to make a contrast in our life. Maybe it's not the phone for you, maybe it's the computer, maybe it's the TV, maybe it's whatever. I don't know, I'm not a seer. I'm just saying we have a lot of addicts out there that are addicted to a lot of other things other than God. Daniel, he's addicted to God, I can tell you that. Long before tragedy strikes, Daniel's resolve is strong. So that when tragedy strikes, he's not reaching for a cheap phone that can die but he's reaching high for the God of the universe that cannot die. If we are salt and light, then we are a contrast to the darkness and the rot of our world. As the great parliamentarian Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And let me tell you, in many ways, in many ways, the church in America is asleep. They've not stood up. There is no contrast, but there is a merging going on, and it is not of God. I dare say, brothers and sisters, that there are some of us that are also asleep in the faith, asleep at the will. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. The world needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Our children need to know the good news that God brings. Yeah, we can roll over. We can complain. We can hit the snooze button on our spiritual life. But that's not what Daniel did. Daniel? You see him complaining here in Daniel chapter 1? Imagine the things I just listed happening to you. You're not in control of your life anymore. You're under basically slavery and yet forced to work for those that are bad to your people and evil to your people. It'd literally be like going to work for ISIS. Now you have a new job, and your job is to support the new ISIS leader. This Babylonian king, he's bad. Nebuchadnezzar's not a good guy. And Daniel now works for him. But do you see him complaining? Do you see him quitting, giving up? No, no, his resolve is strong. Why? Because Daniel had a strong personal relationship, a private relationship with God that showed itself in public. And here's a rule that you can live by you'll never be more in public than you are in private. You want to be somebody great in public? Then be someone great when no one's looking. Isn't that the real test anyway? What's truly in our heart? Anyone can put on a show. Anyone can throw on a mask, get dressed up, ...and be presentable in public. But what about your private life? David is another great character in the Bible. A real person that is really the epitome of what a king should be according to God. He had a heart after God. But long before he conquered the Philistines... ...or became a world power... ...or located Jerusalem on a map... ...long before that... ...in his private life... ...more than likely by himself shepherding... ...he killed a bear... ...and he killed a lion... ...when no one was looking. In other words... ...David was somebody... ...who had a strong... ...private life... ...and God used him in a public way. You say... I really want to be a role model for my children. I really want them to have the best. Then strengthen your private life. Because it will show up in your public life. You'll never be greater in your public life than you are in your private life. And Daniel shows this. You don't get this kind of resolve in the face of evil and crisis... By just bebopping through life. He had already made the decision to follow God. And he wasn't going to let the Babylonians or King Nebuchadnezzar... ...or even this eunuch stand in the way. He lived a life of resolve. I looked up the term resolve. It comes from the Latin word... ...or or actually two Latin words meaning re-loosen. I'm like, re-loosen? That doesn't even make sense. Loosen? But here's the thing... (laughs) I think it does make sense. In order to be resolved, you're going to have to loose yourself from other things. It's the principle of this. To say yes to something is to say no to something, isn't it? You say yes to going and helping somebody today. Move something or bag apples as there are opportunities before you. You say yes, you're also saying no to a nap. You're saying no to your lazy boy. You're saying no to so-and-so, X, Y, Z. When you say yes, you say no. And that's what resolve is. And we must be, as believers, resolved to God. No matter what. No matter our feelings. We're going to do what God calls us to do. Not because of some public applause or public acknowledgement. But because it's the right thing to do. There must be a contrast to our life and when we have a strong relationship with God in our private life, we will be resolved to follow Him when the public time comes. But here's the thing. We believe a lie. We believe that we can't be holy. We believe that God can't overcome sin. I've believed this. You've believed this. People all through the Bible believe this. But it is not the truth. There is nothing that is impossible with God. We can't get too tangled up in sin. That's impossible. He can untangle it. We can't tie a knot too big for Him to undo. We can't go deep enough into sin that He can't reach us. We can't be bad enough. No, that's what he specializes in. But the one he can't help, the one that he can't heal, is the one that does not see the need for God. This is why, brothers and sisters, during Lent, we set aside a time. I've been doing it all week. To say, Lord, forgive me. I am not enough. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the ability. I don't always have the heart and the passion. But you do. And you can provide. And I'm willing to follow you no matter what. Success or not successful. I'm willing to follow you no matter what. Daniel had a contemporary that felt the same way. It was Jeremiah Jeremiah, by all accounts, one of my favorite prophets, was not a successful prophet. He never got any fanfare. It seemed like everybody hated him and made fun of him. They actually jeered at him. Oh no, here comes the guy that says the world's coming to an end. Great. Kids laughed at him at home. But he stayed faithful. Why? Because he resolved to do so not based on his feelings or what other people thought about him, but on God. What does a person really need? A few pounds of food each day, heat, shelter, six feet to lie down in, and some form of working activity that will yield a sense of accomplishment? That's all in a material sense, yes. Yes. And we know it. But we're brainwashed by our economic system until we end up in a tomb beneath a pyramid of time payments, mortgages, preposterous gadgetry, playthings that divert our attention from the sheer idiocy of the charade. The years thunder by, the dreams grow dim where they lay, lie caked in dust on the shelves of, of patience, of time. Before we know it, the tomb is sealed. Life is over. What's the choice we have? It's this. Sterling Hayden says, which shall it be, bankruptcy of our purse or bankruptcy of our life? John Wesley put it this way, either you will deny yourself or deny the Lord. There is no other. There's no middle ground. There's no middle class when it comes to following God. There's just denial of yourself or you are a denying God. We cannot be full of God like Daniel was and be full of ourselves. It's impossible. That's why the Bible calls us to empty ourselves, Literally be poured out as a drink offering to God. But it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost your life. It's going to cost everything. And most of us are just, the majority of people are just unwilling to say yes to that. We think the world holds for us happiness and it doesn't. And most of us live lives of quiet desperation, as the old quote says. Where we literally just kind of meander through life, wishing for more, but never having the faith to step out and trust God. Now's the time to trust Him. I think we should do what the police often will ask us to do when we're found guilty of something. That is, they're going to tell you, drop it! Buddy, whatever you have in your hands, drop it. And I think we can I think I I think that's the picture I have in my mind right now of what God wants us to do. Just wherever you are in your life, just drop it. What's more important than God? Prestige? Applause? Laziness? Leisure? Money? None of those are more important than God. Drop it, put your hands up. Right? Become vulnerable. You drop it, you put your hands up. Isn't this the posture of worship? Lift up holy hands to God, not holding on to our life. Oh, let me gather up this and gather up that. Let me keep all this so because surely I can get it to heaven. Let me tell you a little secret, you're not taking any of that to heaven. Not coming to heaven. Might like it. Might be addicted to it. Not coming to heaven. Because we have something greater than that. We have a wireless connection that is real. Better than Wi-Fi. Yahweh. Drop it. Hands up. You see, Daniel's sitting here living in a foreign ...land. Doesn't our life feel like that sometimes? just seems like we just don't fit here... ...that things don't make us happy. I think that's a positive thing. I think that's a little nudge... ...from the Holy Spirit to say... ...right, nature is not going to satisfy your desires. We've had, you know, I don't know what it's called... ...but that place where... ...there's a bunch of these satellite dishes... ...that are pointing up in the air... ...and they're all listening... To the universe. They've been there for years and years. They've never heard a thing. From the universe. Just raw silence. The universe is not trying to tell you anything. But God is. The creator of the universe is. I love nature experiences too. But that's not what we live on. Do not look to the mountains, but rather look beyond the mountains. Don't just look to the sun. That's too low a thing to look for and live for. Rather look to the S-O-N, the Son of God, who gave Himself for us, for me. Praise God. Here's what Jeremiah actually tells the exiles. It's kind of cool that the Bible you know, you've got Jeremiah who's living the same time as Daniel. He's prophesying. Daniel's in a completely different circumstance than Jeremiah is. And he can receive this word. Notice what he says. is, But seek the welfare. This is Jeremiah 29. One of my favorite passages in Jeremiah. 29, 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. That's a tough word to swallow for somebody that's in Daniel. That's like you being in Syria. Say, Pray for Syria. Give yourself to Syria and to ISIS. For the sake of the glory of God. That's no easy thing to do. Is it an easy thing to do here in Huntsville? I looked up recently 12 things that are so Huntsville. Number one, but you don't have an accent. We get that a lot because a lot of people come in from all over the place, right? Number two, Antoine Dodson, hide your wife, hide your kids, right? Anybody remember that video? Huntsville, baby, we're on the map. Maybe not for the reasons we want to be, but nonetheless. Little Rosies. We're also traffic snobs, this thing said. In other words, we had to wait in traffic ten minutes. We're like, man, what is this place coming to? I was in Atlanta. had to wait an hour in traffic to get 20 miles. Also, we have Rocket City Pride. We've got a big rocket right in the center of everything. It's always towering over everything. We have space-themed schools. Um we have bombs. We have barbecue. Uh one second you're looking at Target, next second you're looking at cows. It's a unique place here. And so we could go on and on but the point is we live in a unique place. For whatever reason God has placed you here. Seek the welfare of the city. Live in the city in such a way that you are salt and light. Jeremiah says, God sent you to this city. Therefore, pray for the city. How many of us honestly have ever even prayed for Decatur, Athens, Huntsville, Madison? How many of us regularly pray and intercede for people at work? For our cul de sac? For our next door neighbor? Or do we scurry in as fast as we can and shut the door? Is that the kind of lives Christians should live? Is that the kind of life Daniel was called to live? Did Daniel just close up shop and become a recluse till they kill him because he won't do anything? No, he engages and becomes one of the more powerful people in Babylon advising this pagan knucklehead of a king. It's unbelievable really. We're called to love this foreign land, but not be part of it. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Here's the problem: some of us can't be defiled because we're already spoiled. We're already rotten. You can't defile spoiled milk comes out poured in chunkies. You're like, "Oh, that, you know, well, let's defile it. No, no, it's already defiled. You have to be holy in order to defile something or to profane it. Daniel's a holy person in his private life before he ever gets to Babylon. And now he purposes not to defile himself. You know what the Bible says here? Is God gave Daniel favor. When you do the right thing, you will be living in the favor of God. Does that mean you're going to be flying a private jet? No. Does it mean you're going to live in a high rise? I don't know, maybe. David, after all, was super rich, living in a palace. But Jeremiah wasn't. At times he lived in a pit. You see, we all have different places and pieces that we will be played on. But this is God's world and it's his game, not mine. Use me how you will, O God. Are you willing to say that? If I'm just to be poured out and nobody sees it, thanks be to God. I'm not working for you anyway. I'm working for God. Isn't He our ultimate boss? Jesse this morning in praying uh, in the prayer room before service, he started off by getting his words a little, little out of order, but he said, dear pastor, but God is the true pastor. Isn't he? I'm not. He. I'm, I'm just one of the in the chain here. He's the head shepherd. I'm the under shepherd. Daniel is offered the king's portion. We could spend time saying this, but here's the reality of it. So are we. All this technology we have, people would have literally sacrificed their right leg to live the way we live. In the ancient world. And we don't even care because we are spoiled rotten. And we can't be defiled. We can't even have any honor in our life. Because of our defilement. What's the solution? Separate yourself from it. Resolve to put it to death. Power it down. It's where we will be the entire time of Daniel, which is deny yourself. You're never going to be anything unless you deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Paul will say, I want to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Not Him driving a Cadillac, having tons of money, but the cross. Be resolved to trust in God. Put your hope in God. Come out from among them, God would say to us as a church. And we need to renew that hope. reality is Daniel never saw the promises come to fulfillment. He never saw the Messiah come. He lived his entire life in a foreign land. But he did it faithfully. Did you know that Disney World is 40 square miles? It's the size of San Francisco. Insane, right? And on October 1, 1971, five years after the great Walt Disney passed away, Disney World had its grand opening. And during the dedication ceremony, someone turned to Miss Walt Disney and said, isn't it a shame That Walt didn't live to see this. Miss Disney, without hesitation, replied, he did see it. That's why it's here. Daniel saw something more than what was just in front of him. Do we? Do we just play life from day to day? Or do we have a vision that God has given to us. A vision to live by. That even if in our lifetime it's not fulfilled, we'll know it will be fulfilled in the end. We're a people that live with the end in mind. We begin at the end. Here's the last thing I want to say to you this morning. If you want to be a light... Like Daniel, then you got to get out of the way. The other day, our three-year-old Ty, some—it was a tablet, is what it was. The light was coming in from a window, hit a tablet, and made one of those little, you know, markings on the it was reflecting off on the wall, you know, sunlight. And everybody was like, "Oh, look at there!" So everybody's controlling it and stuff. So he comes over there. He wants to control the light, you know. And this is like a cool flashlight. It's like literally the sun reflecting here on the wall. So he comes over there to get it. He grabs it and gets in the way of it. He's like, eh, why is it not working? He starts freaking out, crying, and everybody's trying to say, buddy, buddy, you got to get out of the way. You're standing in the light. Some of us are like, well, God's not going to use me. God's light never shines through me. Get out of the way. You want to be seen. You want to stand where you want to stand. It's not going to work like that. We are meant to be a reflection of God. We got to get out of the way. What better time than now? What better moment than this? But Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Will you? Will you make that same resolve this morning? I pray you will. Amen.